This show is supported by Brighton's own Bison Beer. They're coming out of lockdown at their beach bar from April the 12th, where we can join them outside under the rule of six. Book your spot by going to bisonbeer.co.uk forward slash bookings or walk in when the weather suits seven days a week and let them know you're fans of the show for 10% off your drinks. This is Football, the Albion and me with Richard Newman. Hello, welcome to Football, the Albion and me. I'm Richard Newman. This is the podcast which talks to Brighton favourites about their career. If you're new to it, we chat about their highs and lows and their passion for the game. My guest this week is former Albion defender Adam Hinshelwood, who came through the youth system at the club and was arguably one of the most talented of that crop to come through in the early to mid-2000s. Adam's career was cut short by injury. We talked about that in some depth, but also about his current life in management, where he's put Worthing on the brink of the National League. Enjoy. Follow Football the Albion and me on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Adam, thanks so much for your time. We're going to speak quite a bit about Worthing later, but just for those that don't know, can you sort of summarise the havoc that coronavirus has played with the club, uh, the lower leagues and, and where we're at now? Um, yeah, basically uh, the seasons for the last two years have been sort of called null and void and I think curtailed was used as the wording for this last one. Um, so basically, over the course of two seasons, we've managed to accumulate uh, one season's worth of fixtures in that time. Um, and yeah, both both seasons have just been sort of um, wrote off, as you were. Um, so yeah, big, big disappointment really for, for everyone. Obviously, there's a bit of a financial... Um, implement from the club's point of view to sort of play pay players and stuff like that and also uh fans that have come and watched us in that time and stuff like that you know it uh they've put put their um hard earnings into coming to follow the team and it seems like for nothing really so there's a big big disappointment um from from many aspects but even more so when on both occasions you're um top of the league it, mm-hmm. um yeah that's yeah. even more well, I suppose. Yeah, because so just right on the brink of that elevation into the national league, aren't you? And it's just um, how tricky has that been, sort of mentally, then to go again and then to plan ahead, I guess, as well. No, yeah, that's that's been the the hardest thing, just to plan ahead. Really, I'm hoping to keep the nucleus of the squads all together. Um, you know, the, what the lads all saying, they seem to be sticking with us and sticking together and enjoy everything about the club, um, you know, from the infrastructure to the fans to, to the way we sort of run our sessions and the way we play. So, yeah, lots lots of positive um, stuff going on in regards to keeping the players together. But, yeah, the, it's tough at the moment. We're sort of back in training just because I felt it was a long time going from, like, Christmas time to pre-season starting in, like, the end of June for the players um, not to get together, not to be, you know, doing anything and getting the rigours of um, playing football uh, under their legs and that again. And also also from like a mental health point of view as well, just getting the lads back in and um, involved in the whole team spirit and chemistry and stuff. And go To go from that to, to nothing um, for the last few months has been quite tough. Yeah, because I, I guess a lot of them have had to deal with this twice, haven't they? So they've lost football and they might have been affected. Everyone's been affected with their jobs 
obviously a lot of the players will work other places as well. So it's been quite difficult to sort of manage that. Do you, do you have you been sort of been having to check in with them when you haven't been able to see them? Um, yeah, I did do when um, it looked like the season was going to like restart and stuff. So the first sort of lockdown that happened, um, you know, stayed um, in touch um, and we've done like regular Zoom sessions, trying to keep things as normal as possible um, as we could at the time. Um, this this last few months I haven't really checked in as, as much, but um, you know, just just getting the feedback over the last week or so from the players. Um, some of them, like I say, have been furloughed from their work, so they've got uh, all the uphill upheaval and change from that point of view. And then to not have, like I say, the football side of it as well. There, um, it's been been quite tough on it on a few of them. So they're really enjoying being back and part of a group again. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's important that we do that um, yeah. moving forward, even if we haven't got anything at the moment to sort of plan towards as such. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a long, August seems a long, long way off. So we're just hoping everything keeps progressing and we get fans back by then. Mm, yeah. And hopefully it will be because, you know, it, uh, all, all goes to plan. We'll be back in stadiums watching football very soon. What about you? Um, during all this time, how have you been keeping busy? Is it? Is it? I, I, I'm. This is my ignorance, I guess. Is it a full time job being a Worthing manager? Do you? Yeah. Do you- so very, very, very fortunate, really, to sort of be in non-league and, and have a full time job. Yeah. So I take care of. Um, like we set up a 14, 15, 16. We've got an education program as well, which runs through the day, um, and obviously the first team as well. So involved in coaching at all, all aspects really we've got a dev- uh, development centre as well that runs from 7 to 13 as well so just overseeing uh, the whole sort of spectrum of coaching throughout the club um, so yeah fully fully em- embraced in all that really and yeah in, in lockdown just used it as um, a way to sort of just progress myself really just read lots of books and, and stuff like that lots, uh, tried to watch a lot of matches and sessions and um, as best I could online and stuff and um, yeah just spend a bit of time with the family uh, that you don't normally get to do um, homeschooling five has been challenging to say the least uh, <laughs> five wow okay. yeah, uh, yeah uh, I think they've been homeschooling me really <laughs> the majority of them been learning lots off of them so <laughs> no, it's, it's 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 been different but in some aspects of you know been really good um mm. so yeah chance to sort of reflect and sort of improve myself as a coach and a manager really mm. opportunities to watch a lot of football as well we can come back to one little bit later on um what about brighton how they're doing now as we speak there there's six points Above the bottom three, it's been a bit of an up and down season, hasn't it? But what have you made of of them this season? Um, just just from my point of view, I absolutely love watching them play, and um, I don't know if that can always be the case that you'd say for Brighton teams. But I think you know the manager they've got there, you know, seems to really have an identity on how he wants to play, and um, you know, I, I, I for one thoroughly back that and thoroughly enjoy. It seeing them play that way um you know it's great to see a few of the younger players that um were part of the under 18 squads when i was at the club um come through um which is brilliant and get opportunities and um i really think he's um 
they're taking the club to a new new level, even though the league, um, you know, um, tally might not show that in, in points and stuff. The way they're playing, uh, you know, they're definitely going to keep on progressing on, under the current regime and manager and, and the way he does things. Okay, let's get stuck into you. Um, as with every guest, we start right at the very beginning. So, uh, born in Oxford, footballing family um, as well. What what was life like for you growing up in terms of home life, interests, things like that? Um, yeah, just obviously um, born in Oxford because my dad was uh, at Oxford United. So, uh, you know, and then we moved from there back um, sort of... Uh, down to sort of Kentway, um, where he was at Colchester, and a few of the other players that he knew from his time at Millwall lived. So I think we had Paul Sampson, Steve Lovell, um, you know, ex, ex pros all living in the same street. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was good. Um, I'm real, obviously, come from a, a, a big family as well two brothers, two sisters. So yeah bags of sport and um, my dad was uh, a manager as well similar sort of as myself really left um, a professional football career and went into um, non-league sort of management so I, I'd go and follow him uh, re- religiously on a Saturday and when I could during the week um, you know, sometimes that's go and sit in the car whilst he went and done his insurance job first uh, just so I could go to to training, you know, that's just the sort of bug I had from those early days. And um, yeah, my, my son's very similar. He's done a similar sort of thing as well. So um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. But loads and loads of sport um, with my sort of brothers and sisters. Um, and yeah, football was sort of a massive part of that. Yeah, I mean, it probably it would be with your <laughs> your dad, the career that he yeah. had, obviously. Um, it, most of his playing career spent at Palace as well. Who did you end up growing up supporting? Um, yeah, well, I was, he was sort of like supported Chelsea, to be honest. Um, so I sort of like followed his reins on that one, really. And we'd go every um, sort of birthday, we'd go up to Stamford Bridge um, of mine, like around Christmas time, because it was the FA Cup third round. So we'd go and watch them play in the third round of the FA Cup if there's at Stamford Bridge and go and watch a few games and, and stuff there. Um, but yeah, as soon as they sort of sacked Luca Viali, that was my... And and Abramovich come in with all the money. I lost a bit of interest in Chelsea, to be honest. Did you? My love affair died there and then. Um, I was a massive Viali fan. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, they got all his riches and I was like, yeah, it's not, not the same as no more. Watching Joachim Kelberg and... Erlen Johnson and people like that, that Gavin Peacock, um, to then go into like your Zolas and your Hullets and um, all of them guys coming in, Poyers, um, yeah, I lost a bit of interest and um, from then started, I didn't really have a, have a team and then I was um, a youth team player at Brighton um, and it was like a horrible evening and it was like a Johnson Page Trophy type game and I think Millwall brought a thousand fans down or something like that. Uh, and ever since then, I've been a Millwall fan, really, just because of I thought they can they can bring a bring a, a following like that down on a Monday night. Um, and yeah, they was just going for it the whole time. Um, and my dad and my granddad both played for Millwall, so um, yeah, I've sort of followed followed them since. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, interesting choice. 
especially when yeah. you're following for yeah. afar and <laughs> just gone to Brighton and choose, go to Brighton and choose a different club. Interesting, though. <laughs> it's always fun. I know, yeah. It's always something it's, to think about yeah, when you're following Millwall as well. No, no, yeah, definitely. We took um, my son and my dad, we both went um, up to Luton away last year. There's a... Uh, <laughs> Jason Malumbi, actually, um, mm. sort of was on loan from Brighton, sorted us out some tickets, um, stayed in touch with him, obviously one of our 18s players when mm. was there and um, yeah, went to watch him at Luton away and yeah, that, that was a, an experience. I think my dad played in the game so he was reminiscing when mm. it all kicked off there and chairs were getting thrown on the pitch and all sorts so mm. he's reminiscing about that on the way out there so that was, that was nice. Yeah, um, so in terms of your footballing ability your career as well your dad was a defender your uncle was a midfielder were, what so were you always interested in playing at the back was that a natural did you always go come through that way um always up front until about <laughs> 14 I'd say um I was at Norwich City as a youth player because we lived down in Kent and uh they sort of picked me up so and they sort of like converted me to sort of like right back and centre back and I just seemed to really, I probably went from a very average sort of striker um, to a half-decent defender just because I, I felt more comfortable with the game in front of me um, rather than sort of my uh, back to the goal, having my feet facing the goal just seemed to feel natural. Um, and yeah, from then, just got a bit of a, a buzz for defending and, and keeping clean sheets and sort of grew from there, really. Yeah, cool. And then away from football, when, when you're growing up, what, did you sort of have any other interests in anything else? Um, what was life like at school? Um, yeah, with, uh, a lot of golf. My brother, I remember mum would drop me off, us off early down the local golf club, Gillingham Golf Club. Um, and we'd be there all day, really, in the summer holidays. We'd get dropped off first thing. She'd be on her way to work, say, half six, seven, and then pick us up at like half five, half six on the way home from work. So... Yeah, a lot of time spent um, on the golf course and finning bunker shots um, out of out of bunkers and practicing lots of practice and lots of lots of golf. Um, yeah, um, and school school was okay. I sort of moved down to Selsey when I was like thirteen, fourteen, um, and got offered a scholarship quite early by Brighton. Um, actually, got offered one by Portsmouth. Um, before that, when my uncle was at Portsmouth um, and was all set to, to sign it, he left and they just assumed that I wouldn't want to stay and sign with them still, um, which, you know, that they was at the time a championship Premier League sort of club, club with sort of real ambition and um, Brighton were a League Two club. So, um, you know, was very keen to sort of sign at Portsmouth but nothing come of it didn't have a club and my uncle took me to Brighton and within a couple of months absolutely loved it um played under Colin Smart who was a great coach just recently passed away of um cancer but he affected so many young players and just had a real I've never played under a manager where um he just was so calm and just wanted you to go and play and express yourself and just brought a real enjoyment to, to everything. You know, all the pressures that come with trying to get a scholarship at 16 or whatever. And, you know, Colin there was just um, so calm and just 
made you feel so relaxed when you went out and played and had a lot of belief in all of us as players. So he, he was brilliant um, for me and, and all of us young players. And yeah, school life, as soon as I got my scholarship, really, that was it. It was just laugh with my mates. Um, you know, complete opposite now. My son's at a similar sort of age now where he's just got a scholarship. So okay. trying to make him learn from my mistakes really to sort of study hard and get good grades and, and stuff like that so yeah um where's he got his scholarship sorry sort of, uh yeah he's got a scholarship at brighton oh great so, cool. yeah so he, he's right. he's going to go in there for a couple of years so it's a great um different club now cat one club premier league club and you know going into an unbelievable facility so he's got a great opportunity for a couple of years to go and do that so um mm. yeah still trying to uh you know, tell him to to study hard at, at the moment and, and get good grades. Um, yeah, you know, probably not the best role model for that in the world. Oh. <laughs> so you 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 at school in Salesy? Because you were you like near there? Did you go to? Yeah, just to... moved moved down. Like I was thirteen, fourteen, went yeah. to uh, the local school, and yeah, just had a great time with my friends. Really, um, <laughs> some good mates and that from from there that still keep in touch with now and met my wife there so yeah it's all, mm. all good times cool and and so at, at the club what was it like when you got in there because they like say it's such a different club to when you joined um but i was speaking to there's so many young players that were coming through at the same time as you and over those sort of years around it i, mean, I was talking to um tommy elphick last week and he was talking about how for his belief is that there was sort of a switch when the club didn't have any money and they obviously started to think a lot more about their youth infrastructure. And obviously since then it's kind of become ingrained actually as it's gone on. And, and now there are, like you say, category one club and it's gone to a whole nother level. But do you, do you feel like when you got in there, it was really, they're really taking youth development quite seriously? I, I think, yeah, we like myself and one or two others, maybe like the Averges, um and stuff like that was probably the catalyst for that a little bit coming in. Um, you know, I'm not saying that it was all last, but you know, before that, when we was coming through, there was obviously Mick Evans was in charge and had a real core of, you know, some good senior players like your Charlie Oakways, Richard Carpenter, Danny Cullips and built his teams all around there really. And yeah, I was lucky enough to sort of, get an opportunity and get in there and, and you know we seem to do okay as well and compete at that level uh, you know Dan Harding um, Vergs myself Dean Hammond uh, Chris McPhee got some game time as well um, come in and I think the club looked at it and goes you know what these boys are obviously going to save us a little bit of money um, by playing them um, and yeah we definitely did that by the way um, and <laughs> Also, also they're not that money. far away from yeah they're, they're not that far away from what we had um you know so i think it sort of seemed seemed to sort of change around my sort of time which again very sort of lucky that that sort of happened um but yeah they sort of de definitely then from that then you had sort of my brother's age come through it would be like so your tommy Elphick, your joel lynch's um john sullivan come and play some games in goal, uh, Tommy Fraser, there was, you know, uh, then you've got like, like Steve Cooks and, and then boys will come through sort of after Jake Robinson's Coxies. Um, so, yeah, it did seem to sort of have a big um, push around the sort of time that I come in. Obviously, 
Dean Wilkins getting the the, the manager's job, um, you know, he knew what we was about and had tremendous belief in belief in us, and um, you know that obviously really helped uh, us all as well. Mm. I'm sure we'll touch on this in a bit anyway, but your family obviously has a very strong link with Palace. So <laughs> did you did that ever play into anyone's thoughts about joining Brighton? Did you even think about it? Your dad was very heavily involved in the team when the actual rivalry started. No, he certainly was, yeah. No, not at all, really. Not Didn't even enter the, the, the fray or the thinking at all, really. Um, you know, it was only a long time after that you think about, oh, you know... Your dad was like, they say, quite a, a big figure in in the, the rivalry back in back in them sort of days. But uh, you know, all I wanted to do was just be a professional footballer, and um, you know, that opportunity come at Brighton, and you know, very grateful for for that. And you know, our youth team days were were brilliant. We had great coaches, uh, Monkle and Dean Wilkins. I think were were brilliant for us. Um, you know, Dean Wilkins was probably ahead of his time in terms of uh, his coaching methods and stuff like that. Um, and obviously, to complement that, you had the discipline side and still a very good coach in, in my uncle. I think they complement each other really well. And um, yeah, it was great to, to come come through that setup um, when I did. But yeah, did not, not at all. I don't think... Um, my dad left on particularly brilliant terms with Palace. Um, so, you know, it never, although he's sort of like admired by the fans, I've been to a few games where he's gone back and clapped the old fans and stuff like that. Um, had to just sit there and in silence and um, <laughs> go for it. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was um, yeah, he's obviously well, well admired by the, by the, Palace fans, yeah. but yeah, didn't end for recognition at all. No. Um, and then you signed your first professional contract under your uncle, is that right? And and, and I'm interested to know. Um, no. Is it no, not? No. I didn't get my first contract. No, you'd think no. so, wouldn't you? But no, I played uh, <laughs> seven seven games in the championship that season on £90 a week scholarship money. Um, so, like I was saying, we saved the club right, some again. money. We definitely saved them some money there, yeah. So, yeah, you so, think that's the first thing you do, wouldn't it? It's, Look after his uh, nephew with a new deal, but no, so that Steve didn't arise. Um, yeah, so yeah, Steve Koppel um, come in and probably the best manager I worked under, to be honest, Steve Koppel. Mm. Um, just had a brilliant way about him, like his man management was second to none. He would get videos on the opposition that he would put together himself, like so again, so advanced, ahead of his time. And he would, he would drop you, like bring you to his office, you know, it's coming. Yeah, you're a young player and that, but you'd absolutely leave the office like feeling like Lionel Messi. He was just had this way of his man management was second to none. Um, you know, so really made you want to play for him. And um, you know, I think that's a great quality to have in a manager. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, people speak very highly of him. Um, I think we'll come back to that a little bit later about your influences on your management career as well. Um, your your debut, how do you remember it? And I don't mean really the match itself, but more the emotions. Yeah, really. Um, I sort of played a little bit in the first team in, in sort of pre-season. Um, but, you know, didn't really think too much of it. And then on the Thursday before the game on Saturday, um, just got called into the office with my uncle and he said, I'm starting this Saturday. 
Um, and as I've sort of come out of his office, I've walked past like the, the upstairs office as it was at the Sussex thing and Danny Cullip sat on the toilet. Um, so he was out because he was um, worse for wear with his stomach. Um, so he was missing the game. And yeah, like I say, that's what football's all about. Like 80% of your career is about taking those opportunities when they present themselves. And um, very, very, it must have been tough on my uncle to give me the opportunity really I mean his first game as a manager um, in the championship and he's given his 18 year old nephew an opportunity that must be real pressure on him mm. to have done that but showed a lot of faith in me and um, yeah without sort of being arrogant or anything I always had the inner belief that you know I wanted to take that opportunity when it came and belief that I could do it and play at that sort of level um, but yeah, to get thrusted into it, um, you know, we we travelled up by plane up to Manchester, um, so that was a new experience in itself. Um, and then obviously the massive away following because it was the first game back in the Championship for a long while uh, for the club. But everything the club had been through to go to Brighton and pull itself back and then get back into the Championship, um, you know, all the promotions. I think in my first season we got promotion out of League Two when I was a youth team player. Um, second season, we then got another promotion out of League One, and then my third season made my debut. So, you know, the first three years at Brighton were just unreal. It was unreal to see. Um, so, yeah, no, it was, it was completely different. There's just the noise. The I remember was defending the corner um, in front of all the Burnley fans, and the noise that come from it. Just never heard anything like it before. But you know, when you do have those fans cheering you on. It enough does, it gives you a lift. And the whole experience, like you couldn't have asked for a, a better better sort of opportunity to, to have um, for a debut, really. Yeah. Um, just touching on the point that you made just now, actually, it's interesting um, to sort of expand on that, really, when you're talking about how much pressure there might, must have been on your uncle to, to give you that debut because of the family link. Did you ever have, um, were you, was there ever any sort of, you know, or very talented defender who then deserved your place and obviously showed that, you know, proved that. But did you ever have to deal with anyone accusing anyone of bias whilst you were coming through? No, there, there probably was a lot of talk, but I just was so blinkered to it all, to be honest. I just, like I say, without being arrogant, I'll never go out and, you know, tell the world, um, probably would do after, couple of beers but um no I, I just had an inner belief in a belief in myself that you know I, I was good enough and um you know if there the must have been you know people making them kind of noises like there, there would be but you know it didn't really affect me um didn't feel the pressure of it at all when I was playing um obviously um I can remember getting back on the coach after after the game and the boys absolutely hammering me because I was a bit later on than everybody else because I was doing interviews and stuff like that. Mm. And, uh, you know, Charlie Oakwood and all them boys uh, just saying, here he is, milky, milky, stop milking it, let's get going, we're going to miss our flight. So, uh, yeah, get, got got hammered for it really. But then just put you back down to earth and ended up making a cup of tea for everybody because uh, I was the youngest player like you had to do. Um, yeah, and away we went. Um, but I, I personally didn't feel any sort of added pressure or anything or people sort of saying stuff like that. I 
just really focused on um a bit sort of selfish maybe and just focusing on myself um trying to be the best player I could be and um I had this sort of inner belief in myself as well when you were coming through as well and when you're at the club in general who was there was anyone that you particularly looked up to in terms of the players that you were playing with um I, I thought one of the best defenders that I see when I was used to play was probably Simon Morgan. Um, come from Fulham. Uh, I was only at the club probably, I think, one season, but I thought he was just outstanding. He was just a cut above, read the game unbelievably well, didn't lose a header, was didn't give the ball away very rarely. He was almost like a Rolls-Royce at the back, I felt. Um, so he was um, a real sort of player I sort of looked up to in the youth team days. And... Um, admired from from afar really or well, well quite close when we was ball boy and behind the goal we could get up close and watch him um on a, on a Saturday afternoon that we've been there so yeah he he was he was sort of like the the main one and obviously you you had some some good characters within the club like I've mentioned already you had sort of Danny and and, and Charlie Chippy was you know real sort of good pros and didn't let us get out of line and kept us in track. And we've come through with a good group as well, like Dean Hammonds, Dan Harzin, um, you know, Adam Virgo, that was, uh, that was in our youth team. So we come through in a, in a good team and, um, you know, got brought up the right way. And uh, I thought, you know, Dean Wilkins was, was massive for that. And my uncle as well, I thought they were a massive part of, you know, keeping us focused and, and, and working on our game. Yeah, you were making a real impression in the championship. Um, and you got your England under-21 call-up as well, so you started being recognised internationally too. Did you feel that your career was really progressing now into a point where maybe even you were looking at, well, is there maybe interest from Premier League clubs at the time or anything like that? Did you hear any whispers of any, anyone else being quite interested? Because you're starting to you know, make a bit more of an impression at this point. Oh, yeah, the whole the whole sort of twenty one thing was just a really unbelievable experience. I remember getting called up into Mark McGee's office and he's sort of like telling me and I'm not sort of still you winding me up here, this is a joke, isn't it? Um so yeah, I think I think basically what it was is it was Azerbaijan away and none of the big hitters like Anton Ferdinand and all them boys didn't really fancy going to Azerbaijan away. So and I most certainly would have gone anywhere to represent England. Um, you know, we, we, I pulled up there, David Bentley sort of celebrating the fact that he gets to go home and don't have to make the trip and stuff like that. And, you know, I was sort of like just in awe, like, give me that free line. So I just want to put it on. And, um, yeah, I walked around immensely proud for a week wearing, wearing an England, England jacket and tracksuit and stuff. Um, but, yeah, it, I think after that, the only real interest I remember is like Peter Taylor after sort of going on that camp, he was whole manager as well. And I think um, he made an inquiry about me. Um, but I think as soon as Brighton mentioned a million pounds, then that soon put that deal to bed, really. Because, uh, yeah, I don't think I was willing to cough up that much money for myself. And I don't blame him, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um... Let's talk, we've got to touch on, on your injuries because you, I mean, you obviously ended up retiring very young for a footballer. Talk us through then yeah. um, when, you, there, you know, serious injuries. When did it start to become a bit too much and when did you realise that it might have taken it out of you 
um, ability-wise? Because you always have the talent, but maybe did you come back and feel like it wasn't quite right? No, yeah, I thought I think that one season in the championship, playing week in week out, is the season that we managed to stay up um, in in the championship and got injured. Like it must have been about March time, end of March time, I think. I think it was playing Reading on Sky. And that's when I first done my ACL. Um, actually, come off and um, come in the next day, and there was I think we had Coventry next game, and Malcolm said, "Oh, you got half a chance of being fit for Coventry." And then they checked the scans again and said, oh, no, actually, you uh, need an operation. You've done your ACL. You're going to be out for nine months. So um, it all sort of started from them, really. Um, just constant problems throughout. And, uh, yeah, like trying to pick out a highlight and a favourite game and stuff like that, it, it's, it's quite hard to be honest because it's twins with a lot of sadness, really, with my playing career because majority of time you're sort of battling coming back from injury and for a young lad that all he wants to do is be out there training and playing and doing the, the thing that you know like I said to you already from a young age been heavily involved in, in football for that to you know be taken from from me was was hard to, to sort of um, comprehend and I always you know like talking about inner belief always believed that that next move would come I'd get a move back to the championship and um, even when I sort of left Brighton to go to Aldershot that was only in my head only like a you know a step down to then take two forwards that's how I wanted to even with all my sort of injuries that I had you know looking back on it now I should have potentially started to look beyond my footballing career but that's just the sort of way it was the sort of belief I had in myself that um, I'd always come back better and stronger and um, strive to do that but yeah it's obviously swims with a lot of sadness that you had to just keep being held up by something that you know if you wasn't playing too well and you was getting left out the side then it's fair enough but um yeah, I don't think I ever got to really... Probably that one season in the Championship where I felt properly showcased myself um, over a, probably a period of time at my best, but never really got to reach my sort of potential, I don't think, which, um, yeah, is obviously sad for anyone, really, that that sort of curtailed the way it did. Yeah, and I think everyone would agree that they watched you, Adam, that you so much talent there that... I think everyone would feel like would completely agree with that. Maybe we didn't get to see you at your at your full potential, and obviously you went to to Wickham, um, and then that's where you that's where you called it a day at the end of that season, wasn't it? Um, yeah. How, how meant just mentally, just how how tricky was that for you at such a young age, where you had to eventually concede defeat, and and what support did you have around you at the time? Yeah. Um... Yeah, not gonna lie. Like looking back on it now, probably still, you know, taking steps to sort of get over that, and that's probably eleven years on from when I retired. Um, to go from, you know, doing something that you love doing day in day out, to then um, I was at home. Our, our third child was only um, just born, um, so I was at home sort of babysitting her. And um, to go from that, you and your youngest child from a 
dressing from a dressing room of blokes having banter and a laugh and doing what you love doing to then just being there you know no disrespect to my daughter you know love her to bits but it was a completely sort of new experience and a bit of a shell shock really and yeah it did take some getting over um like the support just just wasn't there really um didn't have nothing uh almost like i was at wickham being offered a, a contract and then all of a sudden went in for an operation and the surgeon said he highly recommends that I retire. Um, from from that, probably went in to meet the manager maybe a couple of days after. Um, it was Gary Waddock and literally as soon as my contract ended, I think got like seven months paid to like July. Um, as soon as that ended, that was it really. Um, I tried to speak to clubs like Brighton and try and do like a bit of a you know, testimonial type game just to try and help me out a little bit and nothing come of that. They said you retired at Wickham, so why would we do a, a game for you? Um, even the PFA only got half of the sort of payout that I was expecting because they said it was a uh, um, recurring sort of injury. Um, so, you know, and I was 26, so I said like, how can it be a sort of recurring, long-lasting injury if I'm 26 years old? Um, I've had a couple of knee injuries, but um, if I was 36, I would agree with you. But it's only 26, and yeah, I only got half my payout that I was due, and it just felt like every way you turned, every everything was against you, really. And it's it's hard to sort of come back from that. Um, and I think that's why now, like, I do look back on my playing career, and it is. Um, you know, like I say, more sort of sadness and, and regret really that I didn't get to fulfil my potential and tend to now, like, I don't really speak to the players I coach about my career. They wouldn't even know too much about it really. Um, you know, I just try to focus on, you know, what's what's moving forward for me now and that's being a manager and being a coach and that's what I try, try now to, to focus heavily on really. Yeah. Um, do you think there needs to be a little bit more support then from from the PFA? There's been um, a lot of people have talked about it. I mean, Dean Hammond's actually talked about something similar um, about having to n- need a bit more um, better mental health support actually for footballers, especially when they come to it. Even when you have like a, a a standard career where you might naturally come to an end, it just sometimes it just, it just stops yeah. and and then there's not any support past that. And I wonder whether you know this opportunity where, strangely enough, one of your former teammates is about to take over at, at the PFA and Mahita Malongo. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, you wouldn't have ever seen that at the time. But uh, I mean, no. it's an opportunity for change, isn't it, to provide a little bit more support for those that need it because it's it's a short career and, and you know, it's not all. Plain sailing. All no, time. yeah, I think I think obviously like the the mental health side of stuff is sort of coming more and more into the sort of like now and people start talking about their sort of woes now. Yeah, sort of Lee Hendry recently, didn't you, talking about his sort of mental health issues and stuff like that and the struggles that you know young men that have you know been doing something that they've been dreaming about and then get cut short is is hard to deal with. Um, and I definitely feel there should be more out there for 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 players and young players, and not just lads that you know 26 like I was, and was lucky enough to sort of be the water boy at England under 21s. Not even for us, but even lads that you know are 19 and get released from clubs. I think there should be more out there to support them as well. Um, you know, there's a big big fallout in 
in these young boys that you know have had their dreams shattered for one reason or another and I think there needs to be more in place to sort of help people out because you know you look look at I'm very lucky really I had a very supportive wife who stuck by me for it all and family close by and stuff like that but um you know, I really sort of um like I say lucky to to have had that uh but there's a lot of people that wouldn't have that as well and it must be you know, 10 times harder without that sort of support there as well. So definitely feel there needs to be something in place. But I think the more people talk about it, the more it gets out there and hopefully the more that will be done to help it. So what did you do immediately as soon as you retired then? What, did, what was your sort of step yeah, to coaching? Sort of, no, yeah, I was sort of scratching about not knowing what to do really. Um, I was actually, my brother-in-law's Jamie Howe and he was a, footballer as well and he'd just been made redundant from his job so we both sat there and we was for about two months contemplating selling um, cleaning products um, off of a mate you know we went for a couple of meetings in um, Portsmouth with him and you know we was just starting to get into it we was going to make some calls and see if we could you know jump on his sort of business that he'd set up and, and, and try and push that and we just both sat down one day and said, like, what are we doing? Like, you know, we're both still really passionate and love football. Let's try and do something that involves that we, in, you know, are passionate about doing. And um, we set up a, we went and see a football academy called All-Star Stocker. It was run by Anthony Story down in Eastbourne. And, you know, as soon as we went there, we got back in the car and said, yeah, this is exactly the type of thing that we want to try and set up back where we were. So, we set up All-Star Stock of West Sussex um, in the Bognor area. Um, and, yeah, it's just got a real passion for coaching and, and managing off the back of that. And um, I was sort of doing uh, a part-time job as a, a gas man in the local sort of uh, Barn Leisure Park down in Selsey for a bit, um, but knew that I had to give that up if I wanted to really take sort of football coaching a bit seriously so to give that up and we got more and more hours um in coaching then got some coaching part-time with brighton um which was very lucky to get um i I had to go back and do all my coaching badges again because i hadn't i thought i'd got my level two whilst i was a scholar but i've done everything apart from the final assessment so i didn't have no coaching qualifications at all so i had to go back through and get all them again so done that and brighton were lucky enough to help me on a lot of those as well to get me through um yeah and then got a job managing at selsey um when i was about 28 so i've actually been coaching and, and managing teams for quite a while now but uh yeah that was sort of getting ahead of the game if you like because a lot of people probably coming to their prime of their career when they're 28 and I was starting out in another sort of um venture and and coaching and managing so very lucky to to get that opportunity and yeah really got passionate about it and um very privileged to get the opportunities that I've got so far yeah, because you back, went back to Brighton, didn't you, as a as a youth coach, and um, before you then went, you went separate away of, and went to management again. And uh, I wonder actually if it's actually quite beneficial that you were a sort of a younger age coach um, with a you know professional background, 
with a great knowledge of the club as well. You're you're playing with it. You're coaching these younger players. You're not a million miles away from you know the players that they want to. If they went up to the first team, they'd be playing with similar people of your age. Um, I wonder if that sort of helps in some ways because you've got this current. You've got this sort of really good knowledge of the of the current game, and 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 you must be proud as well of some of the players like you said. Jason Malumbi, players like that, they have come through. No, yeah, definitely. Um, someone showed me a picture, actually, someone at Wavin, um, of the sort of youth team we had back then. And, you know, it's littered with some great talent, to be fair. You know, Jason Malumbi spoke about the Ben White's in the picture, Robert Sanchez in the picture, George Cox, who's gone off now, and James Tilly and Jordan Guy-Drew Crawley. So, yeah, some really talented Irish boys that are making their way over in Ireland as well so it's littered with some real talent in it um, so yeah really sort of proud to sort of you know it didn't really affect their careers too much Ben White was with the 23s a lot of the time and Robert Sanchez you know the work the goalkeeper coach has done with him was but um, yeah it's nice to know that you was sort of um see their to see their development come through and now to see sort of like them get the opportunities that they've been getting um it's great and to follow their careers um is really nice um even like i say barely would have touched any part of their career then boys but it's still sort of like it's nice to to see them go on to to to, to bigger and better things and really sort of establish themselves like they have done in the last season in the first team is is, is brilliant to see and um yeah, something that sort of quite passionate about. So at Worthing, like to give youngsters an opportunity, like I was given, if I feel they're right. And um, you know, there's been a few cases where we've had lads go off to professional clubs. Um, so that's really nice to see, and something sort of, you know, like I say I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about and, and really enjoy seeing. And what kind of manager are you? How would you describe yourself? Um, Probably old, new school, I'd say, maybe. Okay. Yeah. What does that mean? Still, still lose my head uh, every <laughs> slight little thing. But, yeah, I try to really challenge myself in how the team plays. Like like my team to, to play out from the back and dominate the ball. Um, uh, mainly because that's how I enjoy the game being played. I think Dean Wilkins sort of instilled that sort of way into us. And that's how I enjoy watching a game. And I feel like if I've got to go around the southeast and watch my team play I prefer to see it playing how I like it to be played um, you know but um, yeah I don't know uh, what sort of style uh, probably yeah like I say a bit, bit of old school in there with the discipline and you know like teams to run about and work hard and, and be competitive um, but at the same same time probably totally contradict that because I want them to be brave and play out from the back. Um, so, yeah, um, probably a mixture of every sort of manager that you see out there, really. Yeah. And then, you know, without being disrespectful dis- disrespectful to Worthing, obviously, but do you have ambitions to work at a higher level as well, to work in the Football League, for example? Um, yeah, I mean... I think my main ambition is to work with a team. Um, one team on a, on a full-time basis would be the sort of dream. And, um, you know, very, very lucky at, at my age, at, at 37, to be managing a team um, and at a club um, 
that is of the size of Wyvern, really. Uh, the biggest supported non-league team in Sussex and, you know, with real ambition. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm very, very pleased to, to, to have that opportunity at the moment. And it does, they do allow me flexibility to to test myself as a coach and try out new formations and stuff like that. So, you know, I feel really happy here. really feel like I'm learning a lot here. And, um, you know, I just want to keep on that vein and keep on progressing. And, yeah, I'd love to, like I say, one day manage a, a team, um, one team full-time. And hopefully that can be with Worthen in the future. Yeah, definitely. And we really hope you get there soon. Um, whenever this season starts, when you go back to normality, it's really hope no, that yeah. it's third time lucky and you do, you do get up. Um, look, at the end of every episode, I'd like to ask my guests for their ultimate five-a-side team from, from players that you've played with. Um, so who would you choose as your, as your five-a-side and, and why? Um. You don't have to have a goalie either. That's the thing. So as you're really, playing, I've got, you I'll go with a goalie. Okay. I've got a goalie. I've got quite a decent one. Okay. Uh, yeah, obviously Michelle Piper's is very good, but could not play very much with his feet. A lot of my teams play with their feet, so I probably have to go with Tom Heaton. Um, Wickham, we had him on loan. He was my roommate. Um, so yeah, he was outstanding keeper for the level, chat. and obviously yeah. delighted that he's gone on to. Uh, you know the career that he's had and established Premier League player. Um, so yeah, probably have Tom Heaton in there. Um, that's that guy, but I just literally for his banter and travelled in with him, and he was just yeah, just so funny, so funny, so many laughs, so many great memories uh, with Guy. So yeah, for team morale, keep spirits up. Have to have Guy. Um, played with Matt Phillips. That was at Wickham. Yeah. So have him, uh, Bobby Zamora and Leon Knight probably would yeah. be the go all out attack. Let Guy yeah. defend and let the other boys attack. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see um, and, and Leon Knight play together. Yeah, Bobby and Leon together would have been, I think, a brilliant combination. Um, you know, the little large uh, up top and Leon likes to run off the shoulder. You know, in training, in water, what a finisher and what a player he actually was. Um, you know, I think Steve Coppel again probably got the best out of him. Um, but yeah, I love to see them two play together. Um, Bobby as well, obviously, in his sort of prime when he was first at the sort of club and scored all the goals that he did. And you know, the, a legend that he is now within the club. Um, you know, yeah, it's been good, good. Um, Strike force, yeah. Um, I, so. I don't think I, I don't know if they was at the club together, they were replaced it. Yeah, no, we never got to see that. It would have been great, no. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, you've, t- you've touched on it already. Obviously, it did maybe a slightly difficult question, but if, if there is one game that really does sort of stand out for you, what, 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 what's the one that is sort of fondest in your memory? Um, yeah, obviously, a couple of good games, obviously the my debut, but I think the one that sort of stands out in my memory, just because it was my 21st birthday as well, was mm. the um, Tottenham Hotspur away in the FA Cup. Yeah, um, yeah, just the whole thing being my 21st birthday and we played at White Hart Lane. Um, gave a really good account of myself. Um, Robbie Keane ended up scoring, you know, Irish all-time top goal scorer, one of the greats of the Premier League scored the winning goal, put it in the top corner. Um, 
and then yeah, went and had a nice night out in London with my family after. So cool. all round, good day. I remember uh, actually yeah. after the game, going out and getting on the bus and um, the tube and stuff in my Brighton tracksuit, which uh, <laughs> I'm not sure every player can get away with now um, that plays against Tottenham mm. um, in the FA Cup. So uh, yeah, it was an unbelievable day. Yeah, I bet. Um... Right, so uh, uh, just a quick fire round now. I was going to fire some things at you. Just give me your first responses, okay? So um, first off, if you could change one thing about football, that might be a rule, a behavioural issue that you're not that happy about. Maybe some players do. Uh, what might you, what, if you just wave a magic wand and change it, what would it be? Uh, diving and the non-contact in the game at the moment drives me insane. Mm-hmm. Right. I, miss, I miss a good tackle. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, tackling tackling is a skill, and I think it's a skill that's been taken out of the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, all about the attackers these days. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and if if you could meet any other footballer for a drink and a chat, pick their brains a bit, past or present, who would you who would you choose? Um, always like when I was playing with Beckham, but flipping out, I like to be alongside him now, looking like I do. So uh, probably have to be uh, uh, Messi, I reckon. Um, just I think he's just the best best player I've ever witnessed play. To be honest, yeah. And um, do you prefer night or day matches? Uh, day, day, yeah. sunshine, nice wet pitch. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Nice cold day. Cold, wet. No, 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 no. Nice, no, no, no not cold. Hate summer cold. games. The summer football. Maybe yeah, it's the summer game. Summer yeah, game. Okay, Bring cool. back in the summer. <laughs> um, if you hadn't have gone into football, what do you think you would have done? Um, probably been a labourer, bricklayer, or got into some sort of building trade, I imagine. And mm-hmm. um, a few about yeah. some of your former teammates at Brighton, so taking you back a bit, who had the worst music taste? Um, probably Chris McFee, to be honest. Um, yeah, just horrendous, yeah. horrendous electric of uh, music that he used to listen to. <laughs> uh, who would be the most trustworthy? Trustworthy, oh gosh, um, probably <laughs> Dean Hammond. He's quite a trustworthy lad. Yeah, it comes um, across like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Who's the funniest? Funniest, uh, probably Guy. Um, Charlie was just yeah, different level of funny, but uh, <laughs> I quite a dry sense of humour. So Guy Butters and John Piercy were the two that yeah. sort of just made me chuckle. To be honest. Yeah. And then finally, uh, who would be the most likely out of those former teammates to win like a general knowledge quiz? Um, do you know what? Guy was quite clued up as well. With, he just knows, like, similar to my dad, just know everything about, like, just must watch so much stupid TV. You just know, <laughs> like, a lot of random sort of stuff, really. Yeah. So I think Guy would be quite good at it. Yeah. Um, whenever there was like quizzes on the radio and stuff like that, he would, I'll tell you what, he'd get a fair few of them right, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. Put me for shame. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then lastly, do you have uh, a message for the Brighton fans? Uh, no, obviously, just to, to stick with the team. Obviously, tough at the moment, but they're in come such um, a far. Uh, cry from those days in League Two and it was all a, a struggle now to see them and just embrace them being in the Premier League and playing the sort of football that they are at the moment. I'll say, uh, you know, 
like Mickey Evans used to always say, didn't he? Keep the faith. Let's just say, yeah, keep the faith and keep supporting, really. Um, Adam, it's been fantastic having you on. Thank you so much for opening up and, and for talking to us. I really appreciate your time. No problem. Good cool. to speak to you. Thanks so much to Adam for his time. I'll be back next week with the fortnightly panel show. Please do share this on social media and among friends and family if you can, and give it a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.